0: <laughs> oh. Marvelous Marvel At your service Marvelous Marvel That's my name And I'll do my best To entertain you With magic and laughter Cause that's my game I can light up the sky Each day at sunrise And darken the clouds When it's time to rain That's some of the magic I have mastered I'll show you the rest call my name i wanna make the whole world laugh even if the laughs on me oh i paid a smile upon my face there for everyone to see so put a smile on your face like your old friend Virgo, whenever you're feeling alone and blue like marvelous verbal you soon discover a smile can do magical things for you. <laughs> I want to make the whole world laugh, even if the laugh's on me. I paint a smile upon my face, there for everyone to see. So put a smile on your face, like your old friend Mervo, whenever you're feeling alone and blue. Like Marvelous Mervo, you'll soon discover a smile can do magical things for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, Marvelous Mervo. At night, when the mask is off, I look at myself. I may make the world think I'm happy, but I can't hide the truth for myself. Whatever happens, I must go on acting, acting, acting. Be a Pagliarcho, love.
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello, hello. Hi. Kevin is in New York City.
2: Yeah, this week. And where in the world is Kevin Kenny? What a globetrotter <laughs>
1: you've turned into.
2: Yeah, I can, I can, I cannot apologize for any sirens, any honking. Um, there could be some shit in my track this week, Trent. I can do nothing about it.
3: Kevin Kenny, stay put. Where's
1: the South Portland, Maine townie? I know. You've been to Memphis, Amsterdam, New York City, everywhere. You've never missed a week.
2: Trying. This week was close, I got to tell you. And, uh, you know? Incredible. It wouldn't wouldn't have been the worst week to miss, guys.
1: Oh, next week, more creepy crawlies from Kat. She's going through all the creepy crawlies. Uh, Hey, have you guys uh, seen Anaconda? I have. I have not, actually. I thought She moved. I know she was at Grill Room for a while, but oh, I'm not sure. I know Anaconda. Oh, she's a great gal. I love her. Um, Anaconda 1997 on Netflix right now. I forgot about this cast: J Lo, Ice Cube. How
4: could you forget? Eric Stultz, How could you forget about Anaconda?
1: John Voight, Kari mm, Wuhrer, once brothers. again, Owen Wilson, yes. Danny Trejo. Um, I'm not sure I've actually ever seen this on purpose. Well, you're welcome.
4: Get ready. Also, lest we forget the other pick.
1: Slither from 2006, written and directed by James Gunn. Woo! I forgot that was I'm a fan. Uh, his I love big that big one. Fan. Just watch that, that
2: not too long ago.
1: Gun is um, a big deal now. Um, he's behind both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, he did the last Suicide Squad. I know that I've seen Slither at some point, but I don't remember a thing about it. So I'm looking forward to that one too.
4: I would like to say um, that when whenever Trent asks me for my picks, I send him emojis, and then he basically guesses what my picks are, and so. I sent him the snake emoji and the worm emoji. And he was like, anaconda? And I was like, yup. And then he's like, you can't pick snakes in a plane, so that's not going to be your second pick. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, lucky for when us. Setting
2: rules, Trent. Is our That picks. wasn't
4: it.
3: <laughs> wow, I'm uh, really jealous that you got the uh, dick torture week emojis. That's, that's pretty uh, prime <laughs> material. This week...
1: I've put together a double feature of Mm. no particular theme other than uh, awesome, No, in my opinion. Uh, Let's go in reverse chronological order here and start with Zombie Ass, Toilet of the Dead from 2011, directed by Noboru Oguchi, who is probably best known to horror fans uh, for the 2008 movie called Machine Girl which actually featured special effects by um, Yoshihiro Nishimura, who directed Tokyo Gore Police, which we talked about on our uh, Japanese horror episode. So he's done a bunch of stuff like that. Also done some uh, adult video stuff, which I think you can get a hint of here, but um, I love this movie. Oh, this is, you don't uh, say. Porn. A recent discovery for me that I found out about from uh, just from another horror enthusiast that I, I follow on Twitter. Um, <laughs> this is the story of Megamei who is uh, a young schoolgirl mourning the recent death of her little sister at school. Uh, And so so she's going uh, on a a weekend getaway with some friends out to the country, trying to take her mind off things. Um, But of course, the trip goes sideways when her friend Maki, who is an aspiring model, decides to uh, eat a tapeworm from the brook trout because she's heard that Uh, These tapeworms out here and the freshwater trout can help you lose some weight. Um, So she does that. And next thing you know, it's poop zombies and parasites and fart power. This movie has it all. Very excited to hear what people thought.
4: I just want to say I love you guys as my friends and as my um, cohorts in this podcast I have nothing to say about this movie. Oh, (laughs) come on. Can you say the title for us at least? Zombie ass, toilet (laughs) of the dead. Woo! (laughs) Woo! Thank you so much. Um, I don't know what you want me to say about this movie. I have nothing to say about this. What? I think I was set up for failure in talking about this movie because you know I hate poop. Me and Kevin both hate poop. It's true. Okay, I have. I don't nothing. love it. I you do love
1: it. You I, picked I don't it. Look, Dave's the poop guy. I'm not into the poop guy. I think <laughs> poop is gross and not usually funny at all. This is an exception. Not funny.
4: None of it is funny. The amount of buttholes that I saw this week was disgusting, astronomical in the amount of buttholes that I would ever want to see. I have nothing to say about this film. It's not a film. It's a movie.
1: Oh, come on. That's interesting because the uh, sequel is called Zombie Astronomical.
4: Wonderful. I have nothing. Next person, please.
2: Okay. Uh. Trent went low this week for me. This is my kryptonite. This this destroys me. Anything to do with... I had entire sequences of this movie where I was gagging and pausing Mm -hmm. it and just being like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through it. However, I will say this: after like the first like thirty or so minutes, it's a lot less about poop and it's way more about farting. True. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with farts. <laughs> I can deal with farts. You know, um, I will give it some bonus points for like a fart burster jetpack sequence in in the last mm-hmm. uh, fight fight uh, scene. There, um, this I honestly I can't believe I'm gonna say this out loud. I honestly would have preferred if this movie would have stayed towards nasty poop covered zombies, because I feel like after I got through like the struggle of the poop and the poop covered zombies, which, you know, this is probably the only movie that exists where an actor is credited as the shit zombie. We get through that and then it turns like really weird sci-fi and like I guess what I can appreciate is, like, Japanese... Kind of like that movie... Like, the the 60s flick, House, that we talked about. Where you get, like, these wonky special effects. And you could definitely tell it's done by, like, the Tokyo Gore police guy. And, like, Trent, you talked about Machine Girl. And some of, like, that whole, like, group of filmmakers. It just got a little bit too, like, sci-fi. Like, buttworm for me. Which was less gross and more, like, sort of, like... uh, I kind of just... Liked it when like poop zombies were grabbing people's butts. Um, I didn't find it particularly funny until like butthole, fart, jetpack things were happening. I actually thought that the acting in this one was far superior to the next film that you picked, Trent. Um, I really did actually like the characters, and I thought that the director was definitely going like from his adult film experience. Um, and maybe some soap opera experience, like getting some, like, really over-the-top performances. Um, you had, like, the druggie guy, like Take, uh, who was just, like, so over-the-top that it was actually pretty fun to watch. Megumi, the main character, was very understated until she got, like, her karate on, which I actually also thought was, like, pretty good. Like, overall... Like a pretty entertaining movie. Not sure like where it fits. I I wouldn't recommend this to anyone unless I like sat them down <laughs> and talked to them first a little bit about it. Um, you know I think Trent, you might have been a little bit overconfident when you said that this was gonna give Tokyo Gore Police a run for its money because it falls way short in my opinion of that movie. Um, but hey, it was an entertaining watch. And I'm saying this from somebody that almost vomited his way through the first, like, 30 minutes of the film. Um, But I wasn't going to stop watching it. I definitely finished it, like, on the ride to New York City. Uh, Took my earbuds out and said to my family, what the fuck did Trent just make me watch? But I'm not mad at you for it. I just think (laughs) that you went a little bit low um, this week. In terms of like hitting some of us below the belt mm. uh, and i I want a, a much more comprehensive uh, take from Trent because you you kind of like you skirted around it in your little introduction to this movie so
1: well yeah i I just wanted to get to the um, the feedback i mean i I said I loved it i you already know that um, I wasn't quite prepared for the uh, the initial reaction the the polarization here mm. loved it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Love it. You. Uh, Thank you, uh, Dave. I knew you
0: were I mean
3: I I think Trent's week this week says a lot about Trent. <laughs> and I was thinking of like like what's the theme here that ties it all together? And I was trying to find a commonality between the two films and where Trent's coming from. And uh the some of the things i came up with, maybe synthesizer pan flute week. Yep, that's in there. Um I think both movies are very triggering with clowns and anuses. Butt week. Continuity nightmare. Yes. Both definitely. movies had some crazy continuity <laughs> inconsistencies. People covered in blood in one scene in this movie, and then the next scene,
2: not at all. Um, They're covered in poop in one scene, and then not at all.
3: I like this movie. It has the weirdest cold open ever. Um, yes. It has like uh, this bust of rhymes loop. Yes, um, it's like an uneven loop that repeats on a not clean loop. It's like it's weird that they they chose just the beginning of the song. I don't know if it was a royalty licensing type of thing or how that works, but uh, they used almost enough of the song to make the loop, and they just repeated it, and over like a 70s show meets James Bond.
2: Title sequence. With lots of butts and farts.
3: Amazing title sequence. I did like how this movie paced how extreme it got. It got like super extreme, uh, but it kind of like dabbles it a little bit and it just gets more and more and more uh, by the end. And for me, that gave it some place to go. Um, it, the whole film was like just putrid, like shock value. Uh but it does pace the tricks out and it really pays off at the ending uh that's super over the top. Um <laughs> <That's> totally insane. <laughs> it's just like one of these big uh grand finale like foreign film endings that uh that's like why I'm here. So that ending blew my mind to to go that far after you've already
1: gone as far as this movie goes, that just like took it to the next level um, for me. I thought it was interesting um, how many references there are to older movies in this, though. That whole Cold Open is right out of Frankenstein. You got the mad scientist in the lab, the thunder and lightning in the Big windows. Track um, yeah, doing this crazy experiment. A um, lot of homage, I thought, to George Romero zombie movies, um, specifically Day of the Dead, which had the captured uh, zombie bub. Um, which and and that was actually also called back to in twenty eight days later. This has that again that same thing. The scientist has um, has a poop zombie in his lab, uh, chained up you know by the neck, uh, in, the, in the same way Bub was in Day of the Dead, and he's mm, using yes. it to further his you know mad science. Um, I thought there were Evil Dead references in this, like the eyeball flying across the room into someone's mouth, um, and even like the whole the whole premise and setting is. Somewhat um hillbilly horror, um, so you know as absurd and and over the top as this is um, i really i didn't see it as any kind of gimmick. I think this you know movie is is obviously steeped in horror movie traditions, and Oguchi uh, obviously knows his stuff and that that's on display here, so I thought that was one cool element of this
4: there's nothing. That this relates to in horror, there's just nothing. Like you're saying that it's.
1: I just gave you a whole bunch being, of examples. It's doing of a of what George Romero's.
4: I understand what you're saying. You're saying it did a George Romero thing. It's doing this. It's doing that. Yada yada yada. No, it's all poop. It's a poop movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's to be fair,
3: cat. Stressed out. I used to say that I did not like Japanese horror, pretty much based on this movie and how over the top it was. Watching it a third and fourth time, I did like it this time. But the overacting and the crazy, like, the dude with, like, the Tyler Creator wig, I mean, it was, like, so over the top the whole time that uh, it, I was like, okay, I'm in. I see what they're doing. Ever since we watched House, I've been, like, a little bit more open to some of the, like, really I slapstick love slapstick stuff.
4: Here's the thing. And this
3: is, like, a slapstick. I love
4: House. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a funny situation. This is not that movie. It is a thousand percent different. And I'll tell you why. It's all poop. The amount of buttholes that I saw in this movie was the more buttholes I ever want to see the rest of my life. I didn't want to see that. I thought the comedy was actually
3: innocent. The comedy (sighs) was actually innocent. I found it to be like Monty Python comedy. Yeah. And I thought that it it was. uh, I did. And I thought the effects were so over the top and stupid and not realistic that I will give you that there was a very dark point. I found the outhouse part.
2: That was a very long, drawn out scene that um, that actually was engaging. It was disgusting.
3: After that, I felt like it got way more whimsical and even like just silly.
1: Yeah, I just thought to me, it's just it's so wild. It's so imaginative. It's so ridiculous that. Um, and, and I'm not a big fan of like this kind of like super frenetic film style that it makes it, even though there's like no story, really, it makes it hard to follow just because the way that it's filmed is so like hectic.
2: I think there's actually too much story. I think for a, for a, you know, mercifully short, uh, exploitation film like this, there's actually too much story. It's actually pretty impressive, like, what I think he sketched out in his brain, where you have, like, that cold open, you get the whole Megumi storyline with the sister that, uh, you know, met her untimely demise, then you have the model that needs to stay skinny, so she wants to go to a river and find worms and a trout, and then you find the doctor and his daughter, and the daughter has a thing, and then all of a sudden it goes John Wick and Magumi and the doctor's daughter have what is admittedly a pretty fight scene uh, there's like actually and then you get all the way back to what Dave was talking about with the Maki story arc the model that you thought was just long gone after she eats the first tapeworm and then she comes back to be like the queen I mean there's actually way too much going on here and and you guys said it like the inconsistencies definitely uh, apply here um, but there's actually maybe a little bit too much story and that's I think my first take on this was it might've been a little bit better if it just stuck to like poop zombies trying to kill a bunch of kids.
1: Yeah. I shouldn't say there's no story. It, it just, it's more like a thin excuse for mayhem. Uh, but there, there is like a mad scientist thing underlying all of this, that, that makes it all possible as the story of this, um, this scientist whose daughter has a terminal illness and he's figured out how to engineer these uh, parasites from the river so that, he he feeds them to her, um, and they like they like cycle through her, and and through that process somehow uh, it, it like keeps her white blood cells where they need to be. Some gobbledygook. To, I mean, it makes no sense. But then she like poops them out. And they're, like, really big and gross parasites. So he just has to, like, run these parasites through her the whole time, um, all the time. And then he, what he's done with the villagers is he's using them as vessels, or as he puts it, he's, like, he's farming the parasites with uh, the villagers, so that's what all the uh, poop zombies are. Um, again, it, it really makes no sense, but if, if there's, like, a, a theme, an underlying theme to all this, I think it's about Megamay thinking that her shit doesn't stink and that that's alluded to you know throughout the, the movie and the setup people are always saying things to her about how how like kind of high and mighty she is and how how prissy I guess she is like uh maki says something to the effect if you don't you've probably never even burped or released a silent fart quote unquote and that all goes back to um when her sister died her sister's like dying words to her essentially were that you, you are the good one and you should live you are the pure one and i'm she says i'm i'm just a dirty pig or something to that effect i'm filth and i should be the one to go so i think that's that's kind of like the underlying theme and then and then um Megamay learns
2: a lot of fart shaming in this uh, movie. A, a lot of about, fart
1: shaming. Uh, yes, lots of fart shaming. Um, then Megamay also learns this sort of lesson about sacrifice, about exchanging yourself uh, for others, and that's what she talks about at the end. And that's kind of like what I guess what she sees her sister um, as having done for her, and then she sort of like passes that along, and, and is willing to sacrifice herself for. Others, Although she doesn't really, I mean, <laughs> again, I don't know. Maybe that, that's is at least the most that, that, uh, that I can get out of this movie message-wise, underneath all the poop.
2: I did see an ambidextrous zombie with his pockets full of shit. Uh, dude was just I launching guy, yeah. uh, fistfuls of poop with both his right and left arm. So, like, good for you, ambidextrous poop-throwing zombie. Um, somebody says, I killed him with my butt. Uh, somebody says anal volcano there's also that bat that butt ate my bat mm. um you fart and you fart until you die that's your fate <laughs> that's very sucks. quotable cat you must
3: like anal volcano
2: and <laughs> fart acts like a as a jet and then dave you mentioned the buster rhymes beat which totally threw me off but then the credits end with two live crew i mean there's a lot going on here
1: You mentioned uh, I killed him with my butt, and there is a a butt killing in this where one of the kids squashes a zombie's head with her butt, and it shows it three times in a (laughs) row for some reason, and the blood squirting out is almost like poo or something. But um, one of my favorite things about this, you also mentioned the subtitle translations are very funny and very questionable. Um, My favorite one personally was when the, the poop zombie busts out of the outhouse for the first time and the dorky guy exclaims, that is without a doubt crazy, <laughs> with an exclamation point.
3: Um, tons of stuff like that in this that's fun. I, I liked when the, the stud guy's uh, head was inflating and he said he was feeling lightheaded. That was one of the milder scenes in this whole thing. That whole scene would be a centerpiece of a lot of
1: horror movies, but that's just like, very light stuff in this. Um, you can rent this on Prime. Uh, you can watch this on YouTube. Check out Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. All right, my next selection for this week, which I'm hoping will be less contentious than the last, is a 1987 movie called Blood Harvest, which is free on Tubi or Plex right now. It's also on a couple of the more obscure cult-oriented subscription sites, one being Night Flight uh, and the other is uh, called Arrow, And, and those both have all kinds of, like, off-the-beaten-path stuff, interesting um, services. Um, This is another Vinegar Syndrome rescue title that I found just by following other nuts uh, on social media. Um, And this is the only um, starring role in a feature film by Tiny Tim, which um, I think is kind of surprising. I would have thought that he would have wandered his way into... (laughs) More more starring roles just over the, like, the length of his career. Um, this is directed by Bill Rabin, who is known for um, making older B-movies, like stuff like Monster Agogo, um The Giant Spider Invasion is one of his bigger ones. Um, this is the only slasher that he made, and actually he only made one more movie after this, although he is still with us at 85. Uh, interesting guy, uh, moved to the States from Latvia at 15. Uh, And settled in Wisconsin, where he ended up uh, later building uh, what he called the Shooting Ranch, which sounds like a similar uh, deal to what Dino De Laurentiis did, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is like where he would shoot his movies and even um, held like a nostalgia concert there at one point, which is how he met Tiny Tim and cast him in Blood Harvest. And Rabane was, um, or is, or has been, uh, very involved in like public life in Wisconsin. He ran for governor of the state twice. He is credited with the creation of the Wisconsin Film Office. So he's done all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Blood Harvest is a classic homecoming tale, which we have seen many of. It's about a young woman named Jill who returns to her small town after. Having been away at school and finds the town is in turmoil because the bank has been repossessing and selling off uh, local farms. Of course, her dad works for the bank and he is now missing, as is her mom. Um, but her old childhood sweetheart Gary is still around, as is his weird brother Mervo, who is played by Tiny Tim. Mervo now spends most of his time dressed up as a clown and going around freaking people out in some kind of like trauma response to their parents being murdered. I love this one. I've seen it a few times now. Um, it's so quirky. It's so offbeat and no budget, um, and, you know, poorly made in, in many ways, but I think this movie has a lot of charm. Interested to hear if you guys found that or not.
3: Uh, I thought this was like a slasher of Mice and Men. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I can see that. But uh, I'm not yep. sure I liked it, though. It had, like <laughs> uh, like, an upstart Lifetime movie vibe. It was like maybe sure. the lowest budget movie we've ever watched on this podcast.
2: Bad bad taste. We we have to remember bad taste.
3: Blood I date. don't know. It this was pretty cheap. But uh with Tiny Tim as uh, Marvelous Merv um I mean he was pretty good. He was pretty creepy. I I actually didn't know about Tiny Tim from like the 60s and 70s. I knew about him as like a guy that showed up on MTV like once or twice like in the late eighties or something. Um, But I liked that this movie, like all the tricks were on a string, (laughs) like all this, (laughs) all this supernatural, anytime anything supernatural happened, you could tell it was like on a string. It was like a cup or a pail or the fish is the first one. They're like, Oh, fish line. You wouldn't even know that the fish isn't floating in air. But um, (laughs) the softball sheriff,
1: Oh my god. Uh, was, it's amazing. Uh, now
3: I'm wondering is this a uh, wardrobe constraint? Is this a budgetary thing where That's they couldn't I, get the cop I had pants? The same question. Maybe they couldn't get the sheriff pants so they were like <laughs> because there was no other reason why he would be at a softball game or going to a softball game. He was going- they just kind of interjected that in there and he was the sheriff <laughs> with softball pants. Interesting. Um this feels very weird and like it's scary in like a fourth wall, like director desperation, but budgetary, like pipe dream kind of way. Like, there's some weird, like it kind of wants to be like the world according to Garp, and it also kind of wants to be a slasher. Um, uh, although I did think that the is very progressive, uh, the thruple that is in this was, uh, you know, very progressive for the time. Uh, I'm not sure I like this movie. I went through it twice, and the second time I realized that it didn't have that many kills, it didn't have that much gore, and it was just kind of like a drama,
2: a low budget drama. All the kills are off site. You're right; they like, they're all off screen.
1: Uh, no, that
2: there's there's one no. good like throat slash throat like, like. Okay, but yeah. most of them are like uh, off screen. Um, yes. So this movie was almost weird enough to make up for how bad it is. Almost. Almost. It was very close. It was a race to the finish line for me. I was hooked on this movie until the very last minute because I was like, can you do it, Blood Harvest? Can you be weirder than you are bad so that I can stand up for you? I cannot stand up for you, Blood Harvest. Mm-mm. Dave, Dave <laughs> mentioned it. The best scenes in this movie are the fucking sheriff. <laughs> like, mm. this dude is out of control. So poor Jill comes home. Her her father owns the bank. The bank is eating up all these farmers' properties. This is actually a very topical movie today, as it was in 1987. Like, you've got, like, the big bad banker eating up all these hardworking farmers, and you've got classism, and you have Jill's family being, you know totally attacked by the town because in their view the bank is attacking them and their livelihoods and then you know the the to be description was interesting like her friends but it's like that's just so not like part of it like her friends start dying um and then you have like i don't know why tiny tim had to be in this movie i i just i don't diversion yeah, is but it's literally could. this is one of the most predictable movies I've seen in a very, very long time. Not on this show. And it's almost it's almost like the soap opera like lifetime aspect that like of it, Dave, that you talked about. Like that gives it away. It's like when it gets to like this soft synth and like Gary's like meow and running away with his hands in his pockets, like with his arms not moving, it's it just gets like uh, I don't know. I don't know. It has a lot of good um, slasher tropes. Uh, it's got a good like paintball scene. It's got a good hillbilly yelling for somebody to have meaningless sex with him. Um, it's got a fantastic commando poster, which is in Jill's room. Somehow she has like a Picasso-esque a Robin Williams sketch also in her room. Like this movie is acid. With a bunch of boobs, which no one's even mentioned yet. There's a ton of boobs. And asshole.
1: And Bush. Gary's
2: got a hairy ass.
1: More like Bush Harvest.
2: I don't know. The, the, I guess, I guess what, where I should have stopped is, um, for me, this movie didn't quite push the weird past how bad it was. And, mm. you know, RIP Tiny Tim, like you said, Trent. This definitely did not add to his resume or his legacy.
1: Says you. This
4: one was a weird one. I really don't like clowns and so tiny Tim just working his little way in um he only hurt me in his portrayal of the clown situation because he was just so weird he did his tiny Tim thing where it's like tiptoe through the door. like it's like he had so many weird inserts of his music and like it was awkward. I felt uncomfortable watching him. But maybe that's what they wanted to accomplish. They Maybe they wanted you to feel uncomfortable watching this grown-ass man sing these very high-pitched songs while he was dressed in a full clown makeup situation. Um, I think I kind of warmed up to him a little bit once I figured out that maybe he wasn't the person that was committing all these murders and maybe it was someone else perhaps it was his weird brother Mm, we don't know the cuck the cuck of the situation could have been the Uh, other one
1: i don't think that's not i don't think that qualifies as he's not a cuck i mean he's a high school sweetheart
2: he he also he also still stays super weird and like super pervy yes yeah he
4: does say super pervy and that he super what Pervy.
2: Pervy.
3: Oh,
4: okay. In that he, like, is naked and then also makes her naked and then it's like, touching the little boobies or big boobies. It wasn't great to watch. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a fun watch for me. I don't know. Um, There was no good part of this movie to me. This whole thing was terrible. Um, I will say that the girl who – the final girl, if you will – was so bad at acting that i think they had to make her boobs come out to make up for the fact that she was so bad at the rest of it that they're like you know what bring a titty out you know what that seems like the best idea because she was so bad
1: you know, this has become, like, almost a uh,
2: comfort movie to me of, of sorts because <laughs> I've seen it. Tread this acts like nothing. <laughs> the last 11 minutes didn't happen.
1: Yeah, well, you know, opinions are, like, what we saw a lot of in the last movie, so... Um, Assholes! But you, you get familiar with, like, all the idiosyncrasies of the movie, and... The things that maybe don't work that great, like the visible strings, like Dave said, um, and you have these like bizarre performances and all the continuity errors. But it feels like kind of intimate because it's so obscure, like it's it's almost like a secret thing um, that that you know about. Um, but I actually thought there was a lot of pretty like skillful misdirection in this movie. Some of the scenes with Tiny Tim and. Um, as obvious as it becomes at some point. And I'd actually, I'd like to know when Bill Rebane thought the reveal was in this movie because it's definitely nowhere near the end. Um, but I would question, Kevin, you saying that this was the most predictable movie you've seen in a long time. We see a lot of movies that I think are best described as totally predictable. So I don't know about that.
2: I had this one pegged from the get-go. It was very, very blatantly obvious, especially if you know the character of Tiny Tim, I suppose. And, and it was just too obvious that like what Bill Rabain was doing was like, ooh, I'll try to do this. But the second that the house was vandalized, the window was broken with the brick and everything happened. And she came home. Jill came home or I'm sorry. She decided to run through the woods to get to town. Which again is a ridiculous sequence. The paintball sequence is so ridiculous. And then got the sheriff back there in his softball uniform, and the house suddenly wasn't vandalized. The you know scarecrow wasn't hanging in the door, and the window was fixed. Like I was like, is this a supernatural thriller? Is this a well? Didn't sl- Gary didn't Gary fix it? Yeah. How long was she in town? She ran in town to fucking get the sheriff and came back, and this guy like fixed a window. It was very obvious then.
1: I think this is one of the hornier 80s slashers that we've seen, which, um, you know, the 80s slashers have a reputation for being, you know, one of the randier subgenres, genres. But uh, this one, I think, is way up there just in terms of like the amount of nudity and um weird sex stuff going on and, and full frontal nudity and then there's these scenes that the movie just like glosses over but there's these scenes where somebody is uh chloroforming jill and tying her up and taking nude pictures of her at night like that just happens a few times and there's that never, never comes back yeah no
2: just like oh like yeah, nowadays okay, that would be like uh... oh they showed up on facebook yeah but it yeah. never comes back like i was nope. waiting for like the scene where they're like in the local paper and they're like blasting her family's name. No, it's it's bad. It's it's pretty bad, and it is horny. But also, I will say this: there are a couple scenes in this movie where, I guess, both Jill, Gary's trying to get with Jill, and then her boyfriend Scott, played by Peter Krauss, by the way, in his first yes, role. Yes, right. He's a legend. Uh, They both like she turns both of them down and they don't do a typical 80s thing where they're like, God damn it, Jill. Now I have blue balls. They actually both just like sort of like run away like weenies. I
1: thought one of the more intriguing things about this was that the end of the movie sets up for a sequel. Like it, it does the whole classic thing where you think the killer is dead and it's over. But then he suddenly opens his eyes and says, Jill. Like, there was maybe some thoughts of, like, doing another one, which is pretty funny uh, to think that anyone involved would think that this had sequel potential, but I would be uh, very interested.
4: There was obviously some weird, like, obsession thing going on here, that he was obsessed with this woman, and then, like, he used his weird—I don't want to—what's—I don't know how to correctly word his brother— Tiny Tim. Mervo. Mervo, yeah. Um. Would you say he was...
1: Uh, Fun-loving. Fun-loving? Well, he's traumatized, Is I was the impression that I got, because sure. um, Mervo sure. and Gary's parents have been murdered, and so there's one point Gary says, you know, ever since the parents' death, basically, Mervo spends more and more time in the clown makeup, and he, like, rarely even takes it off. So I think he's kind of like... Disassociating into this um, clown character that he's created to, you know, to deal with the loss of his parents and what he knows about it, because that's another part that we haven't talked about that the movie kind of hints at, doesn't really say outright. But Mervo knows. Well, I don't want to get. I guess uh, I don't want to get into spoilers here. But um, Kevin, I can see that your family has somehow freed themselves from the locked they have a hotel bathroom that you've been keeping them in while you do this so we're going to have to uh, end it there but don't listen to uh, the naysayers on blood harvest you can take it from me this is a great one uh check it out